0: Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study. As you can see, we're back in Martin Manor this evening. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I sure am glad that spring's only 18 days away because we had a pretty good snowfall here last night. Um, stayed on the ground for most of the morning, but the sun came out and sm- melting it away. That's, that's the uh, some of the pleasures of living where we do. It's very pretty, and it's been working along real well. Tonight we are in Matthew chapter nine, starting at the 18th verse. Um, the heading that I have on this is "A Girl Restored to Life and a Woman Healed." Now, what's significant about that? Well, you have to realize that during that time, girls weren't held in as high regard as their brothers. A matter of fact, in the uh, pagan Nations, uh, girls were more likely to be abandoned than boys and also more likely to be sacrificed than boys. Geez, swell, huh? But with, um, Jesus, with Jesus, there is no difference. And we'll, we'll head into that here as soon as we pray. So let's do that. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you this opportunity to be in your presence for the opportunity to study your word we thank you for your word that you gave us to study again open our hearts and our minds fill us with your holy Spirit this evening Lord not only me but everybody in the sound within the sound of my voice be with us tonight in Jesus name amen okay I, I really like to point that out before getting into it. Uh, again, uh, it really is something that these are a couple of women right off the bat, well, a girl and a woman. And in Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 and 28, it says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, There is neither male nor female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. Remember that. And again, it was a pretty radical notion during those days. So let's begin with chapter 9, verse 18, where it says, While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came up and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman, who had a flow of blood for twelve years, came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. And when the crowd was put outside, but when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all that land. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind man came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were open, And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demonic, demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And the multitudes marveled, saying, it has never, it was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. Then Jesus went about all of the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot. Who would betray him? Let's look a little bit further into this. Let's see what God has in store for us in his word. Back in verse 18, it says, While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him. Uh, Luke 8 says that he was falling at his feet. Now, this ruler uh, is identified in Mark chapter 5 as being Jairus. And he was a layman who was uh, in charge of the facilities at the synagogue, make sure everything's going along well that way. And again, he worshiped him, falling at his feet, okay, humbling himself, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Now, more than likely, uh, this man had seen the various miracles that Jesus had been performing, and uh, he could see all the power that Jesus has. So, he said, verse, pardon me, verse 19, Jesus arose and followed him, as did his disciples. Remember back in chapter 8 when the centurion's slave was healed, the centurion said, don't come to the house. Your word's good. I know, saying the word, and he'll be healed. And he was remotely. Now this time, Jesus is going with his disciples to Jairus' house to see his daughter. And on the way, verse 20, it said, And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. Uh, By this time, by 12 years, she had seen many physicians, and Scripture tells us that they didn't do any good for her. matter of fact, they made things work. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years uh, made her unclean. So what else did that do? Well, that ostracized her from her community, her family, her friends. She was very very lonely in this, and she had pretty much exhausted everything uh, that physicians could do. And so here she comes and says, verse 21, For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Now, again, Mark tells us that Jesus felt the power going out of him. And he said, Well, who touched me? And, of course, the disciples said, What do you mean, man? Check out all the people around here. How... What do you mean, who touched you? But he saw her, and he said, be of good cheer, daughter. You know, this is a tender word that Jesus was sharing with her. I got a pretty good idea that uh, she had precious few of those tender words in the last 12 years. And again, your faith, faith has made you will. And the woman was made well from that hour. We go on. Then Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. That's pretty common practice, even within the poor folks of the area, to hire two uh, two people playing flutes. I guess they would be flautists and, uh, and at least one wailing woman. Hired mourners—it bothers me. Reminds me, though, of a movie, John Wayne movie, *The Shootist*, where John Carradine uh, was playing the role of the Undertaker, which he always did a great job of playing Undertakers or something like that—sinister individuals—and he was promising John Wayne at least two mourners in his uh, burial package, you know. It seems to me that they would be, like John Carradine, they would be actors. And back in chapter 6, we recall they called the hypocrites actors. Well, anyway, it goes on to say that in verse 24, he said to them, Jesus said to them, the Wailing uh, people, make room for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And what was their reaction? They ridiculed him. They ridiculed him. So goes on in verse 25. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in, and again Mark tells us that he went in with his disciples. The reason he brought them along, and took her by the hand, and the girl i going to go back to Mark. There's a lot of interesting stuff on this in Mark. We're going to go to Mark chapter 5, um, 41 through 42. It says, Then he, Jesus, took the child by the hand and said, Talitha, Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years old. Okay. And verse 26, the report of this, went out into all the land, that surrounding land there, Sea of Galilee. Remember, that's where Jesus is is uh, preaching, teaching, healing. Okay, Yeah. Verse 27 says, when Jesus departed from there, the, the ruler's house, Jairus's house, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, son of David, have mercy on us. Now remember back in chapter one, where we had the lineage of Jesus, right? He was going to be of the house of David. And this was known by the Jewish folks at the time, they knew that the Messiah would be from the house of David. So what they're doing here, again, is uh, recognizing Jesus as Messiah. And when he had come to the house, into the house, which was probably there um, in Capernaum, uh, there again on the Sea of Galilee, the blind man came to him. You know they they didn't they didn't miss a beat. Uh, they were persistent. Uh, they they didn't lose heart. They were there with him. And Jesus said to them, "Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Pretty much asking for a profession of faith. Uh, we do that we do that through songs if you're in a liturgical church you'll do that every every week but really if you if you look at the uh praise songs that we sing where we sing i believe in god the father i believe in the holy spirit i believe in jesus christ that's that's a profession of faith and that's what jesus is asking and what did they what did they reply to him no messing around they said to him yes lord Again, recognizing Jesus as Lord, which is a continuing theme through this portion of Matthew. Now, verse 29, he touched their eyes, saying, according to what? Your faith. Another continuing theme. Your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were open. Now, think about this. It doesn't say here, uh, we don't know whether or not, these two men were blind from birth or how long they were blind, whatever the deal is. But just think about that. What a shock to the system to all of a sudden to have your eyes open. Now, if they were blind from birth, how would they know what a tree looks like? How would they be able to recognize this? You know, all these things that we learned as little children, seeing things, oh, that's a car. Oh, that's a mirror. That's a chair. That's a tree. Well, if you had never seen it and you're a man, just think of all the things that had to be flooded in. My thought on that is Jesus did not just give them physical eyesight, but also gave them the ability to understand what exactly they were seeing. And so what does Jesus do? Well, he sternly warned them saying, see that no one knows it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can just see those guys. Oh, yeah, we won't tell anybody. And what do they do? But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. They were radically changed by Jesus Christ, and they went out and spread that news. What does that say for us? You know, I have a lot of friends who have were radically changed by Jesus. These guys were bare-knuckle fighter guys, the guys you want to have on your side in a bar fight. Uh, Tough guys, tough guys. Radically changed by Jesus, who love the Lord and are not afraid to tell anybody. And they share that with others, how Jesus changed them radically. These blind guys, same thing. They were radically changed by Jesus and they spread the news about him in all the country. They didn't keep quiet. They spread the news. Verse 32. As they went out, behold, they brought to him, they, the people there, brought to him, being Jesus, a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And the multitude's marveled saying it was never like this in Israel. Why do they say that? Well, with the Pharisees and, and the religious leaders of the time, the rabbis, it was thought that to to drive a demon out of someone you had to trick that demon into saying what their name is. Uh, let me put this out in this uh, again, and we're going back to Mark chapter five. And we're going to look at eight and nine. And this is another portion of the demoniac coming out of the, uh, out of the grave. And what it says is, for he, Jesus, said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered him, saying, My name is Legion, for we are Many you may have heard that before. Now, this was the practice that the rabbis used to drive out demons. Now, since this guy had a demon and he was mute, how can you find out the name of the demon? The guy couldn't say it. So there it is. This is why in verse 33 it goes on to say, it was never like this in Israel. Because here Jesus was able to drive a demon out of somebody who could not tell him the name of the demon. So, what do our good friends the Pharisees have to say about this? Oh, he casts out demons by the rulers of the demons. Back to our buddy Mark. Mark has a lot to say in this. Um, on this, and it's really neat. But let's go to Mark three. Where did I go? Mark 3, verse 22. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub. And by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. Beelzebub, you ever heard that? Lord of the Flies. You ever listened to that? I'm sure you've had. heard the song, The Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen What do they sing about? Beelzebub is in there. Hmm, isn't that something? Interesting, too, the Pharisees are saying, he's driving out demons by demons. How can you do that? If he was a demon, why would he want to do that? These guys are grasping at straws because they didn't want to see Jesus do what he was doing. It's just kind of one of those deals. You know, we talk about it. People will say, well, I'm not very religious. Well, Jesus didn't much care for the organized religion of the time either. It's not being religious. It's a relationship with Christ. Now, verse 35 goes on to say, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Remember, Jesus' heritage, Jewish heritage, okay, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, which means the good news that the kingdom is near, And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. His heart broke for them because they were weary and scattered. Now remember that the common means of transportation at this time was your feet. They didn't have bicycles or automobiles, not very many were using donkeys or anything like that. It was mostly feet. So they were pretty worn out coming over, coming over to Capernaum, all the places where Jesus is now around the Sea of Galilee where all the multitudes show up. They're pretty pretty wiped out, right? Okay. So it says they were weary and scattered and like sheep having no shepherds. You know, they were bodily under bondage to the Roman soldiers, and they were spiritually in bondage to second-rate religious leaders, spiritual leaders who actually accused Jesus of being in cahoots with the devil. Hmm, so yes. And it goes on to say, again, sheep having no Shepherd. Uh, I don't know if any of you have seen the movie, The Jesus Revolution. If you haven't yet, I'd certainly recommend it. And in one scene there, Chuck Smith is asking Lonnie Frisbee about his people, about the hippies. And Lonnie says, well, it's just like the Bible says, they are sheep without a shepherd. How about that? All of us can fall into that category at one time or another. Now, verse 37, Then he went on to, and said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful. The harvest, these sheep without a shepherd, those who are truly in need and searching for the gospel. Okay? It says the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore... Because of that, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Well, we're going to talk about that here real quick. But what does that say for us today? Again, there are sheep without shepherds. Now, that we all called to be pastors? No. Are we all called to witness? Yes. And again, we're called to be witnesses, not attorneys. But it's our... Really, our responsibility as believers to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean standing on the on the street corner and hollering at people? Again, we're not called to be attorneys. We're just called to show the love of Christ to others every day. Simple. <laughs> yeah, simple. Verse 10. Pardon me, verse 1 of chapter 10. And when? He had called his 12 disciples to him. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, just as he did, just as Jesus did with the demoniacs, right? And to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And there's that word again, my favorite word, all means all, it's all all means, gave them them the power over these things. Now, the names of the 12 apostles. Now, the apostles, that means somebody who was sent out. And these apostles were sent out with specific powers by Jesus Christ. They were endowed with these specific powers. Okay. And the names of the apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother. Now, Peter and Andrew and James and John were partners in the fishing business. Okay. Philip and Bartholomew. Now, Philip grew up in Bethsaida, and so he would have been pals with Peter and Andrew and James and John. Bartholomew. Philip was the one who introduced Bartholomew to Christ. So they sent out Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. Thomas, that's our buddy, well, also known as Didymus, the twin, or more commonly known as Doubting Thomas. Remember, he's the one after Jesus' resurrection said, well, unless I see it and I ain't going to believe it. <laughs> but anyway, and Matthew, the tax collector, of course, talking, speaking of himself. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Now, we don't hear too much more about these guys, uh, but they were sent out. And Simon, the Canaanite, or also known as Simon the Zealot, and, of course, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now, they're probably listed in pairs like this as they were sent out in pairs. Again, Peter and Andrew, James and John, Bartholomew and Philip, Thomas and Matthew, Thaddeus and Simon, well, Thaddeus and Alpheus, Simon and Judas. These were the laborers sent out into the harvest. I always like to try and tie this in with us. We're the same. We're sent out. We. There are some who are endowed with the ability to heal. We can all pray for healing. We can all see miraculous healings. Uh, But there's also a time when the healing is the ultimate healing. Uh, And that's something that we always have to be prepared for as well. That sometimes the ultimate healing is when the Lord calls him home with Him. Uh, there are times I, I know that everyone here probably feels like oh, I wish He'd call me home today, or I wish <laughs> I wish He'd return today. Uh, his plan is perfect; ours is not. Our timing isn't the same as His, but realize His timing is perfect. Uh, tonight, don't I always have to ask uh, for questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks. Um, again, if you have any, please, please be sure to send them to me. I'm happy to respond. And again, if I do something that sounds kind of wonky to you, say something, call me out on it. You know, again, only one perfect guy in this world. We crucified him, so I'm not against talking about it whatsoever. Um, Tonight, I want to lift up, first of all, uh, Wayne Figueredo. Wayne is a longtime member of the Hot Rod Bible Study. Matter of fact, was attending the Hot Rod Bible Study before yours truly became part of it. Uh, Wayne fell and broke his hip. He's undergoing surgery probably as we speak now. They're going to put in a plate and some screws, not going to replace the hip. And I'd also like to uh, just lift up my family, uh, specifically uh, my wife Pam and her brother Rob is her brother Ron is uh, down in Costa Rica, and he's getting close to coming home to the Lord. So I would pray not only for healing for Wayne, but also comfort for, for uh, Pam and Rob and Ron and Ron. And with that, I'd also like to pronounce a blessing. The Lord be with you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you his peace. Amen.